Again, I want to greet each one in Jesus' name this afternoon. It's an afternoon that Tim and Trish won't forget right away because of the responsibility that weighs on your heart. I've been there, I know the feeling, and I feel with you. The Lord bless you in this work. I'd like to look at a message this, this afternoon on um, the kind of leader, kind of minister, kind of deacon that God wants. And, you know, if you think about it, when we're called into ministry, and let me get this clear this, this afternoon that, yes, Brother Tim and Sister Trish were called into the ministry of deacon, but it says in John 15, verse 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. So God is calling us all. And, you know, so this message, yes, Tim and Trish can, you know, apply it to their lives and any ministering brother here, but I think we all should apply it to our lives in giving spiritual leadership to our families, to ourselves, and to those around us. In Luke 14, verse 25, I'd like to begin reading and just read a portion of scripture that Jesus brought out when he was talking about leadership and talk about answering the call, <clears throat> Jesus was giving the challenge to his disciples. It says, there went out great multitudes with him. And he turned and he said unto them, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest haply after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, and all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish, or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple." You know, have we counted the cost to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? I trust that we have. That's why we're here this afternoon. That's why we gather together in support of one who's called into the ministry. And you know, the ministry can bring injustices. It can bring gossips and frustrations and financial hardships and discouragements. And it can uh, come from misunderstanding people and misunderstanding relatives. And you know, it makes the 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 cost a little greater. Someone once described a minister's job as one who teaches though he solicits his own classes, he heals though without pills or knife. He is sometimes a lawyer, often a social worker, sometimes an editor and a bit of a philosopher, sometimes an entertainer, a salesman, a decorative piece for public functions, and he, yet he's supposed to be a scholar. He visits the sick, he marries people, he buries the dead, he labors to console those who sorrow and to admonish those who sin and tries to stay sweet when chided for not doing his duty. You know, he's planning programs, appointing committees when he can get them. He spends considerable time in keeping people out of each other's hair. Between times, he prepares a sermon and preaches it on Sunday to those who 
don't happen to have any other engagement. And then on Monday, he smiles when some jobbel chap says, what a life, one day a week. You know, brothers and sisters, that was ministry for Jesus. He was gone so much that he would retire into a desert place to rest a while. He would take time to spend time with the Father in meditation and in prayer. You know, ministers as well as others are often misunderstood and often taken wrongly in their ministry. And I was reading a little resume of a certain person, and I'll read it to you. You can tell me who it was. A certain church found itself suddenly without a pastor. And a committee was formed to search for a new man. And due to due course, the committee received a letter from a clergyman applying for this position. And the letter went like this. And I read, gentlemen, understand that your pulpit is vacant. I should like to submit my application. I'm greatly considered, generally considered to be a good preacher. I've been a leader in most places I have served. I have also found time to do some writing on the side. I'm over 50 years of age, and while my health is not the best, I still manage to get enough work done so as to please my parish. As for references, I'm somewhat handicapped. I never preached in any place more than three years. In the churches I have preached in, I have generally been pretty small, even though they were located in rather large cities. In some places I had to leave because my ministry caused riots and disturbances. Even where I stayed, I did not get along too well with the other religious leaders in town, which may influence the kind of references these places may send you. I have also been threatened several times and even physically attacked three or four times. I've gone to jail for witnessing for my convictions. Still, I feel I can bring some vitality to your church, even though I'm not particularly good at keeping records. I have to admit, I don't remember all those whom I baptized. However, if you can use me, I should be, be, be pleased to be considered. And so hearing the letter, the committee members were sort of aghast and wondered who would have wrote that. And they said, well, what does the name say on the bottom? And all that it said was the Apostle Paul. You know, we read about Paul in the scripture. He was zealous. He was busy. He was working. You know, we can look at the ministry of the Apostle Paul and see who had given himself, first of all, all to his Lord, his whole life into ministry. It was often without polish and without flair, but yet it was very sincere. And you know, God gave us some pointers as well as how he would want his ministers to be. I'd like to, if you would, just flip in your Bibles over to the book of Jeremiah. And we'd just like to pull some verses out of Jeremiah as to the kind of leader that God wants. You know, first of all, God wants a willing heart. He wants someone who's willing to give all to him. You know, as we read in Luke, if we don't hate our father, mother, wife, sister, brother, and so on, we cannot be his disciple. He wants us to count the cost if we give ourselves to him because he wants our all. You know, if you look in Jeremiah, the second chapter, verse 8, it says, The priest said, Where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and walk after things that do not profit. God wants a minister. He wants a, a deacon. He wants someone in the ministry who knows him. Do you know Jesus Christ today? Will we know God personally? 
or are we going to be peddlers of different views? You know, do we know Jesus Christ? Have we heard his still small voice? Have we seen him and touched him? Have we presented our bodies a living sacrifice? Well, while we read in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, brothers and sisters, are we making living sacrifices? Do we know Jesus Christ? Are we pattering ourselves after the manner of this age? Or are we living a separate life and letting our light shine for Jesus? Do we know him? Is he Lord of our life? You know, when we know Jesus Christ, we have a commitment and we know him. We have a knowledge of Jesus. Our names are written in the book of life. You know, when you look at 1 John, the third chapter, we see where John is telling uh, in his scripture about so many things that we know. And I'd like to just bring those out in 1 John 3, verse 5, and we'll come back to Jeremiah here just shortly. But it says in 1 John 3, 5, And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. And if you skip down to verse 14 of chapter 3 of 1 John, it says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And then if you go down to verse 19, it says, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. And then in verse 24 as well, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he is that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given unto us. And then in chapter 4, verse 13 of 1 John, it says, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And then in chapter 5, verse 19 as well, and it says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. You know, brothers and sisters, do we know God? Does he know us? You know, we are his sheep. He is the shepherd. And he wants us to recognize him as the shepherd. And so God wants a leader, a minister, a deacon who knows him. If you notice in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, we read, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. God wants people, ministers, deacons who feed the people. Feed the people with the inspired word of God. It's without error. You know, when the gospel goes out, it doesn't return void. You know, it, it accomplishes that which he pleases. And, you know, when I think about that, I think of that verse, uh, chapter Isaiah 55, verse 11. It says, so then my word, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing wherein to I sent it. You know, there's times you may be teaching a Sunday school class, or you might be teaching a Bible school class, and it seems like all the, the children or young people want to do is have fun. And you're wondering if this word will take root, will it grow? Do they get anything out of it? You know what's so amazing about God's word? When it goes out, it is a redeeming word. It's a convicting word. It's an illuminating word. And you know, when God's word goes out, it accomplishes something because it's a powerful word of God. It's in our place 
as the messengers to get it out there. You know, a good leader acquaints people with the word of God. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. God's word is sharp, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of the soul and spirit and so on. Find that in Hebrews 4, verse 12. It's a probing instrument. If you look in Ecclesiastes 2, 12 verses 13 and 14 it says let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil you know God's word will probe us we're going to give an account of ourselves before God it says in Romans 14 verse 12 so then every one of us shall give an account of himself before God you know, it's up to us as his messengers to get the word of God out because God's word is a lamp. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, God's word is a defensive weapon. You know, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We read also in Jeremiah, he says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like as a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces? Brethren and sisters, as God's messengers, we need to feed the people, feed the sheep around us with the word of God, God's inspiring word that brings conviction and brings change in people's hearts and in their lives. Also, we'd like to have you flip in your Bibles, if you would, to Jeremiah, the 10th chapter. Jeremiah 10, verse 21. For the pastors are become brutish and have not sought the Lord, therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. God wants a minister, a deacon, who has a prayer ministry. Because these pastors were brutish, they didn't seek the Lord. God wants his men, his, his shepherds, his ministers to seek him, to have a prayer ministry with him. Prayer is our approach to God. If you look at James 4, you know, it talks about draw nigh to God and he shall draw nigh to you. I believe I'll just quick turn to that and read a couple of verses there. But it says in James 4, verses um, uh, 8 to 10, and I read, Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning. In your joy to heaviness, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And so to draw nigh to God is our, our goal. Prayer is our desire to come to God and to be refreshed, encouraged, and lifting up. Prayer is seeking God. The scripture says in Isaiah, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Are you seeking God in your prayer ministry? You know, brothers and sisters, it might mean time in your secret closet. It might mean time when you're traveling down the road or driving in your pickup or whatever it is. God wants communication with his children. You know, the scripture says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. God wants a minister who has a prayer ministry with him, who has dialogue with him. Prayer is our approach to God. 
uh, or in God's approach to us. The first five books of the Bible have 189 chapters, and in 139 of those chapters, God is approaching men. He's approaching Adam and Abraham and Noah and Moses and Isaac and Jacob and so on. And then we see how God approached prophets in their call and in their ministry. And in the New Testament, God comes through Jesus Christ, as we see in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And you know, so that's the Word. And we see in verse 14, it says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so when we think about God's word, when we read God's word, he's communicating to us and we can communicate back to the Lord in our thoughts and in our prayers. You know, brothers and sisters, prayer is receiving, accepting and receiving the Lord as he approaches us. Jesus said in Revelation 3 verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Also in John 14, verse 23, Jesus said, he said, if any man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And so brothers and sisters, do we have a prayer ministry? Do we know the father? Do we communicate daily with him? That's what he's asking us. He wants a leader that dialogues with him, that is praying to him and asking Ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find, knock and the door will be open. And the Bible says, for everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, the door is opened. That's relationship, that's ministry with our Father. A dialogue and he wants to encourage us and lift us up and give him and give us our many blessings. You know, the kind of leader that God wants will keep prayer a high priority in his life. And so, brothers and sisters, do we have a prayer ministry? Do we know the Father? Do we, do, are we feeding the people? Are we having a prayer ministry with our Heavenly Father? But God also wants a compassionate minister. Look in Jeremiah, the 12th chapter, and we'll read verses 10 and 11. Many pastors have destroyed my vineyards. They have trodden my portion underfoot, verse 10, and made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. Verse 11 of chapter 12. They have made it desolate, and being desolate, it mourneth unto me. The whole land is made desolate, because no man layeth it to heart. Many pastors have destroyed my vineyards. Unfaithful ministers were indifferent. There was no compassion. You know, if we're going to minister to the sheep around us, they need to be fed, they need to be watered, they need to have their needs met. And here the shepherds of Israel were reproved for their selfishness and their indifference, and their lack of compassion, and their unfaithfulness. You know, if we look at Paul, he had a language of love and a compassion for Timothy. He says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 3, he said, I remembered you, I prayed for you, I have you on my mind night and day, I long to be with you. You know, brothers and sisters, compassion in our lives today is so needful if we want to be useful for Christ. Many people don't really care how much we know until they know how much we care. Do we have a heart to listen? Are we a good listener? You know, it says in James, let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And how many times do we have that reversed? We're quick to speak. We get angry quick, but we don't have any time to listen. 
How many times have you seen someone discouraged or despondent and you go to them, how are you today? And if they say, well, pretty good, but they don't have a smile on their face, do you take the time to say, really, what is troubling you? And if they know that you want to listen, it may take longer than you think. You know, it's easy to become callous in today's society. We can read the newspapers or hear things that happen and, you know, there's shootings and so on. You know, we have a responsibility to the world around us because if we aren't the watchmen who are going to be watchmen, there aren't any out there. If the church doesn't care about society around them, nobody's really going to care. And so, brothers and sisters, it weighs upon us. God wants leaders who know him, who feed the flock, who have a prayer ministry, and who have a compassion for the lost. You know, I really believe if we had one glimpse of hell, we would probably be the best soul winners around. And we'd see the lost and the dying. And you know, when the rich man was in hell and he lifted up his eyes from torment and he seen Lazarus in Abraham's bosom and he said, have Father Abraham send someone to come and touch my tongue with just a little drop of water. And Abraham said, no, you had your luxury in life and there's a great golf fix between us and we can't go back and forth. We said, send someone from the dead and go back and tell my brothers they're lost. And he can just see them from one at a time come dropping into hell. And Abraham said, no, they got the prophets. And it wouldn't make any difference if someone would come back. And you know, brothers and sisters, the sad part is that rich man's still in hell today. And he's still in torment. Do we have a compassion for the lost, for the dying around us? Do we have a compassion for the brother who quit coming to church? Do we have a compassion for one who's misunderstood? Are we willing to go out of our way and lift someone out of that miry clay and listen to their heart and hear what's on their heart and encourage them or pray for them? God wants a compassionate minister. Very important. You know, brothers and sisters, a minister and the ministry that God has chosen him follows Christ in compassion and showing compassion to those around him. You know, Jesus said, and I can see him say it. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, we need to follow his example and go into the least of these. Jesus said, if we give so much as just a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, we shall not lose our reward. You know, as I talk about a cup of cold water, I notice there's water up here. It's not cold, there's no ice in it. One of our brethren, when he puts the water in the pulpit, he always puts a couple ice cubes in. You know what? That's a little more than just water. That's cold water. But it's those little things that minister to people. And people do not forget it. You know, God wants people who know him, who feed the flock, who have a prayer ministry, who are compassionate. Flipping your Bibles over to Jeremiah, the 22nd chapter. In Jeremiah 22, verses 21 and 22, it reads, I spake unto thee in thy prosperity, but thou saidst, I will not hear. This hath been thy manner from thy youth, and thou obeyest not my voice. The wind shall eat up all thy pastures. 
and thy lovers shall go into captivity. Surely then shalt thou be ashamed and confounded for all thy wickedness. You know, when I look at the disobedient pastors here, the opposite is God wants an obedient or an abiding pastor, a minister. Obedience to God's word. The scripture is vital for every professing Christian, not only the minister, but obedience to the commands of the scripture require complete consecration. Jesus said that not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. God wants us to be his sons and daughters, to be fruit-bearing Christians for him, who are steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know, Jesus gave us the great commission when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so are we going? Are we leaving home sometimes and letting our light shine for Jesus so that others might come to know him as their savior? You know, brothers and sisters, obedience is spreading and sharing the gospel. God wants someone to be out there obedient, following his great commission that he gave us to be active and busy in the work of the church. He's called Brother Tim and Sister Trish as the next deacon here at Salem. What has he called you to do? To be faithful where he has placed you and lets your light shine for him and bear fruit for him and bring others into the congregation so that they can grow as well. One more, turn to Jeremiah 23. Verse 1, Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. God wants a minister who seeks to keep the flock united around the chief shepherd. These pastors scattered the flock. God wants a pastor who keeps the flock around the chief shepherd. You know, we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace like we read about in Ephesians 4. One of the brethren read that for devotions one evening. You know, Paul wrote, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies. No, he says, um, got the wrong verse there. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He wants us to walk worthy and continue to draw the sheep around the chief shepherd, not drawing the attention to themselves, but drawing it to Christ. You know, brothers and sisters, there is unity here. One God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You know, we should demonstrate in our daily living the unity that is demonstrated in the Trinity. I believe it grieves the heart of God when men and women, brothers and sisters, cannot live in true harmony and true, true love. And so as God, God's ministers, God's people, we will be peacemakers, endeavoring to keep God's people around the chief shepherd in the bond of peace. It's so important. You know, brothers and sisters, God is looking for leaders all the time. He's looking for ministers. He's looking for faithful sons and daughters. Look at Jeremiah 23 yet one more time. I forgot. <clears throat> Jeremiah 23 verses 2 to 4. 
Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. Ye have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. And I will gather the remnant of my flock of, out of all the countries whither I have driven them and will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed. Neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. You know, brothers and sisters, a true shepherd loves to be with the flock. And you know, there's something about it. I was talking with an older sister after church, and she said, I sure miss it when I can't come. But it's sure nice to be at church together with the brothers and sisters. And you know, there is something there. There's a fellowship. There's a, a uniting. And I believe that's why the writer of Hebrews says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as we see the day approaching. You know, a lack of attendance is hard on one's fellowship with the brotherhood. And it's a lack of attendance also, I believe, takes us out of fellowship with the Lord. It's important that we are there to support the local church when it's open. You know, a true Christian is one who's practicing the beatitudes in our life, the fruits of the spirits in our life. You know, it's one who's going to be one who hears God, hear him talking to us. We're going to have a prayer ministry with him. We're going to know him. We're going to feed those the people around us with the word of God. We're going to be a compassionate, obedient, abiding minister, per person, whoever God is calling us, someone who seeks to keep the flock united around the chief shepherd. You know, brothers and sisters, God has called Brother Tim and Sister Trish today specifically to this ministry but I thank the Lord he's still calling all of us to be active to be faithful to be on fire and to be fruitful for him let's bow our heads for prayer our heavenly father we thank you and we praise you father for this weekend we had with the Salem congregation for thank you father for calling brother Tim and sister Trish father to the ministry here we pray your blessing over them, Father, and their family. We pray your blessing over Brian and, and uh, Jody and Nathan and Monica, Father, for being used in the lot as well. And Father, we pray your blessing on the ministry team and for each one in the congregation. Continue, Lord, to work in each heart and life. And for the rest of us that are gathered here, Father, we pray your blessing on us as we go our various ways. Father, may we all truly be used by you to have that prayer ministry, to know you, Father, to be compassionate to those around us. Father, to <clears throat> seek to keep each of the people united around you, O oh Lord. We thank you, Father, for the way you've answered prayer and the way you'll continue to work. We just pray that your name would be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.